Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. Today we got a little bit of a special episode, a uh, little bit of a, you know, look at the enemy side uh, for OU Texas. I'm bringing on my my good friend, my pal, Chris Eilenstein. Uh, Stein, welcome on the show. Welcome back. And uh, we're going to do a little one-on-one, talk about, you know, you know what you how you're looking at this game as a texas fan uh as a as a alumnus of ut and um you know just kind of kind of get a different vibe from i mean usually it's just me ty and jameson going all homer on this but we're so <laughs> depressed right now that we don't really it, it, we don't pessimism is high we don't we're not too optimistic but at the same time self-deprecating ty oh yeah self-deprecating ty is in full force but i i wanted to I don't know. Wanted to get your view on everything. So, um, yeah, welcome back onto the show. And, uh, yeah, how have you been? It's been a while. <laughs> it's been basically one week. <laughs> happy to well. see you again. But it's been a, it's been a long time since uh been on the pod, but happy to be back and talk some uh, Red River Showdown. Yeah, absolutely, man. So let's start this thing off. Um, and, you know, long-time listeners might know, and if you know, you know, uh, you, got your, um, you got your undergrad from TCU but you got your master's from Texas. So you were at the game last week. Uh, we were all hanging out. It was a great time, uh, but not for the Sooners. So what did you kind of glean from that game? Any any points, any bit of, uh, I don't know, advanced scouting <laughs> from OUTC last week? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, besides the, the other things that we mentioned, I also got to the game a little bit late. So I kind of, we were checking the scores. We were trying to get tickets and everything. But I think um kind of the bigger point was that even before the exit of dylan gabriel i it just appeared like the sooners didn't even get off the bus for the game i don't know if it was like an 11 a.m trap like it was pretty warm on the field i I mean i don't know if they didn't consider tcu a worthy opponent because they've been flying under the radar but it was kind of like the blink of an eye was 20 to 3 and then they were already trying to play catch up and then obviously the kind of the dirty hit i'll be honest the very dirty hit on dylan gabriel that happened kind of made what could have been a comeback at that point it was 34 to 10 pretty much impossible for them so I think I think the overall point was they got kind of behind before they even had the absence of the quarterback so yeah it was a a very poor start um you know first play out the gate or actually I believe it was the second uh you know getting a fumble on your own 29 that's a bad way to start you're going to have a good time, a bad time if that happens. <laughs> and then immediately going for and out the next go. And, you know, TCU just really, OU has kind of started poorly across the board this season. Um, they've started games bad. And that was, uh, that really snowballed more than any other. Um, so, you know, that's something that, you know, hey, Texas obviously knows a lot about from last year. Uh, obviously a very different iteration of the Sooners. But, um yeah, Texas getting off to that what 28 to 7, 28 to 3 start last year. Something yep. crazy. Um Yeah. I think and I think like a big thing I saw at the game too was not not only like a slow start from an offensive perspective, but the one thing OU had been priding themselves on this year especially with Venables was kind of like their pride in how they were going to show up on defense and it was even with the absence of the quarterback and everything there was just no semblance of defense anywhere on the field, I think. So yeah, a lot of busted, just completely busted coverages, uh, atrocious stuff uh, for sure. But no, it was it was it was a tough game, and you know i I'd hope that OU isn't as bad as that performance. Could have been a lot worse. Sonny Dykes did kind of put the brakes on it, but you know, look, that's in the past. As you and I both know, this OU Texas game 
or as you say, Texas OU, Red River, all just throw the records out the door, let it let them go. And obviously a big talking point um, entering this game on the OU side is the question of what quarterback uh, will play. And, you know, before the season, you, you know, you and I were talking and you said you were pretty out on Dylan Gabriel. And I, I'm not going to lie. I don't think he's given you a lot to uh, change your mind on that. But uh, what do you think about Gabriel so far? And um, essentially like looking at it, if he doesn't play, how much of a, how much, how much of a chance do you give Oklahoma? Yeah. So um, I think it was very important also that Venables, I, I was kind of spying a little bit on his press conferences this week as I was watching Sarks as well. And I think um, it's very tactical that he hasn't really said yet, like the status of Gabriel or who's going to be starting, just basically saying that any one of our quarterbacks is ready to start. So I think that's kind of giving them a chance to be under the veil and make Texas prepare for essentially any of the three. Um, but I think Dylan, as as I kind of, I think we described him as like a low budget or off-brand Tua. I don't know if that was how we described him, but um, I think he's like when he doesn't have the accuracy issues, I think he's like kind of a, a tactician going down the field. I think he just makes his throws and executes the offense pretty much exactly on schedule. Like he's not somebody maybe that OU is used to as far as like a barn burner getting these huge plays down the field, even though they do have some of the talent around him, like uh, Marvin Mims. But I think he's, as we, I think, as we mentioned, he's very serviceable in sort of like a, a transition period between quarterbacks. But um, if he doesn't play, I mean, what, what we do remember from uh, Davis Bevel from last weekend, it, it was really not a good showing. And I think that's, like if, if the assumption that Ewers doesn't play on Saturday, which I think he will, I would be much more inclined uh, with Hudson Card, who at least has a little bit of experience. He looks shaky at times, but he does have the experience over the OU backups. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Card, you know, obviously just kind of mentioned him a little bit there, but how has he how has he been kind of filling in for uh, Quinn Ewers, who uh, looked all the part of an absolute star against Alabama before he was taken out? Um, but how, how has he been? Has he has he been a type of guy where Texas can compete, uh, not just in this game, uh, but to win the Big 12? If, if you just let's let's just say Ewers is out. Is he that is he good enough to do that for Texas? I'm, I mean, I'd be hesitant to say that he is. I'll say that uh, I think he does get a lot of like the, the players around him, like the way he's able to fight through the ankle injuries and the other, like he's visibly in pain limping and he just continues to play through that. And I think that rallies a lot of the team around him. Uh, I don't remember the exact stats, but I just remember that from him coming in during the Alabama game through these past few games that he has shown a progression of improving each game. So that gives me a little more hope versus obviously last season, he played a couple games and looked a little shell shocked against Arkansas when he got pulled. But I mean, he's only, you have to remember, he's only a true sophomore, I believe. So he's, he's still really young and all things considered, he's not going to have too much more playing time if everyone's healthy. But um, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily trust him yet as far as like a big 12 championship or anything like that. But I think, especially for some of these lower level, not OU, but some of the lower level, like West Virginia kind of teams, I definitely trust him so that you were just coming healthy into this game. Yeah, that, that, that. I would agree with that. And, you know, I, I would say, you know, at least from the OU perspective, I don't think we're too worried about yours versus card. Like if yours comes in, we kind of think he'll be a little rusty. We think we're going to get torched either way. Um, I, I think looking at it from my perspective, the biggest threats easily. And we talked about this on the podcast yesterday on the scooter pod. Um, 
it's Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy. We are absolutely crapping our pants uh, thinking about that. And, you know, let, let's just start with um, Bijan Robinson, who, you know, obviously had his unfortunate fumble against uh, Texas Tech, but he has been an absolute just workhorse for the Longhorns this season. What is, how has he, how has he been overall? And what do you think, like, what, what are his heights in your opinion? Like how, how, how good can he be? Yeah. So, I mean, the fumble aside, I think the biggest, um, biggest takeaway when you watch him play is just the missed tackles, like the yards after the first um, contact. Right. So he's able to make these weird kind of spins and dodges and get out of like what seems to be a sure like minus five play turns into a positive five play as a 10 yard difference. So I think um, a lot of times the Texas offensive line has looked pretty bad in my opinion. Like they don't look like they're moving a lot of people, but he somehow finds a way. And I think his ceiling, I mean, he's going to probably get drafted this year, but I think he's already at 500 something yards. He might be maybe a 1500 plus yard kind of player. I think he's getting a hundred plus yards a game. Um, and I think that should be something that, oh, you should definitely worry about. They've been allowing like 78 more yards than Texas has. So they've been allowing close to 200 rush yards, which I think has really kind of been the weak point of the Sooner defense so far this season. Yeah, last in the Big 12 in rushing yards allowed, uh, which is just uh, really brutal. And a lot, I feel like a lot of them actually have come through the quarterback, weirdly enough. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, Max Duggan just tore us up and Adrian Martinez before that, which is unfortunate and you know, I, I, I will say uh, on one end, I'm like, well, at least, you know, neither of those, you know, I, I don't think yours can really run and cards hurt. So in terms of the long ball rushing attack, I'm not worried about that. But like Bijan Robinson, he ate us up last season. I felt like he was absolutely incredible. And with this rushing uh, defense being even worse, um, especially looking at, you know, losing Nick Benito, uh, Perion Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas, a really solid you know, defensive front. I think that's easily the biggest thing that OU has to worry about for sure. But Xavier no. Worthy. Ha- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say also, I mean, you can't forget either that Texas has a little bit of like a trio kind of a change of pace. So it's not just, I mean, Bijan's obviously going to get the first couple carries, but third down or his change of pace, you might have Roshan who uh, he really breaks. It's like Bijan's the leading the big 12 and break tackles. And then to Roshan somewhere like eighth in the big 12. So he's already ahead of a couple other teams himself. So you have another guy who can break a lot of tackles. And then you have Keenan Robinson, who's a little more the speedster transfer from Alabama. That's kind of third down special situation kind of player. So. Yeah, that, I mean, that is a good point. People forget about, you know, the versatility of that, uh, you know, rushing stable and, you know, obviously Bijan incredible stuff, but, uh, which, which, okay, one, one, one more Bijan question. Okay, have you had a, have you had a chance to try the mustard yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> I look I, obviously sooner born, sooner bred. Love OU. I kind of want to try some Bijan mustard sin. That is the best nil uh, use of nil I've ever seen. I'll, I'll see if I can get a hold of some. Maybe I'll give you a give you a taste test. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'll, I'll I'll be cool with it. I'll be cool with it. But um, let's get back to Xavier Worthy though. I I feel like he at least six out of no OU fans mind after that massive return, uh, that massive touch felt like a return, that massive touchdown. He had to start off red river last year. How has he been performing for Texas? Uh, even with the quarterback, you know, uh, kind of, you know, inconsistency due to the injury. I, I think he's been really good. I think he's kind of stepped up as a sort of a safety blanket for Hudson. So, 
Uh, I mean, he was a little bit dinged up. I can't remember if it was the Tech or the West Virginia. I think it was the Tech game, and then he came back fully healthy for West Virginia. But um, he's someone that if you don't have at least one or two, like a safety tracking him over the top, like he just disappears behind everybody. And then I think Hudson still has a good enough arm that he will still get a long ball to him occasionally. But um, he's definitely someone that maybe for – I don't know why anybody would discount him, but he just disappears in the defense and then – suddenly it's 50 yards down the field or he's wide open in the end zone. So it's, he's definitely someone I would look for, for a couple deep shots in this game as well. There you go. He's just one of those dudes, but um, yeah. Anyone else on the Texas offense, we should kind of, you know, circle on or keep an eye out on as a, a potential threat to absolutely torch the Sooners. Yeah. I got someone for you Jatavion Sanders. So he's number zero. He's the tight end. And I believe He's the first Texas – he had two touchdowns against West Virginia. He's the first Texas tight end to actually record two touchdowns in a game since 2011. So I'd kind of circle him on the list as well. He He's not, like, going to burn you with speed or anything, but I think he's a really good red zone player that will just appear and, you know, jump up and get a ball for you in the end zone. So keep an eye on number zero as well. Yeah, and I feel like OU's uh, defensive backs have been really bad at covering size uh, this season, and um, yeah, that would uh, that would be it for sure, for sure. But um, the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Look, check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Looking at OU's defense, this almost feels like a preposterous question to ask after the showing we saw last week. Um, is there anything that concerns you about Texas's ability to move the ball like at all? Any 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 sort of strong point with OU's defense? Any concerns? I, I know the offensive line, as you mentioned, not perfect. Um, but do you think there's any sort of liability on UT's offense or uh, any benefit on OU's defense that you're really kind of worried about here? So more just a couple kind of situational uh, points of view. One, I, I never am going to rule out that like the Sooners coming off of what we, frankly we could just call it, like an embarrassing loss, right? Uh, they're not, I don't think they're going to come back to this game not prepared. Like it's a rivalry it's Red River. Like, so I expect them to obviously perform a lot better than they did last week. So that's number one. But number two, um, the concerning part has been the past couple games, at least Texas's scoring in the second half and especially like the fourth quarter. And I don't know if they had six points the past two games in the fourth quarter. So it's something where obviously last game, it was already out of hand pretty early against West Virginia because West Virginia is not very good. But that was concerning during, obviously, Texas Tech. They had them up, what was it, 31-17 or something like that. They had enough of a lead, but they didn't really, like, this has always been kind of my knock. They didn't bury the team when they needed to. And so if for some reason they get up on OU early in this game, there should be no reason why they should continue. Like, it's a rivalry game. You need to keep scoring and really put the game away before 
you just are comforted with a lead. So that would be what I would look out for. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll say this after what happened last year with, you know, OU making that incredible comeback and everything. And that moment sort of, you know, I think Sarkeesian even kind of pointed it out um, in the preseason, kind of being the moment that that Texas team really kind of fell apart um, emotionally. I would imagine that that is that, you know, really getting a big lead, really kind of sticking it to Oklahoma is definitely uh, something they want to do and want to do early. I think they're they're looking for a, you know, you know, those pictures of the Cotton Bowl. Uh, oh, it's yeah. been a while since we've had a blown out blowout where just one side full, the other side out. I think they're looking for a pretty orange uh, Cotton Bowl for sure. And yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah. And that's something that, I mean, Sark pointed out in his press conference this week, as far as like we mentioned last year, I think being his first Red River, I don't think he was a hundred percent prepared for the way he mentioned in the press conference. One side is a home game for one team. The other side's a home game for the other. And so they got backed up in the OU side. And I don't think the players, young players and, you know, head coach who's never been to Red River wasn't really prepared for that sort of atmosphere on that side of the ball. And so I think the noise got a little bit to them, kind of rattled them when that game ended up being close with the Caleb Williams comeback. So, yeah, there's a real like strategy that comes with OU Texas just because of how the crowd set up. It's 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 definitely something uh, I think overlooked sometimes. So, yeah. Um, OK, so let's move on to uh, the Texas defensive side of the ball. Now, um, let's start off with the D-line. Absolutely great performance against Alabama, I felt like. Uh, but since then, they've been a little up and down. What, how, what's been your in, like kind of perception of the Alabama, or Alabama, sorry, the Texas D line, and how you feeling about them? Yeah, so I mean, I'm kind of going to throw away the Texas Tech game, and I throw that away because I mean they ran a hundred plays on offense, so uh, I think any D line would be exhausted after that much. Like, and there's no defense that's going to be able to keep up when their offense isn't holding up that end, and they put a hundred plays on them overall. I actually think we have seen quite a bit of improvement from Texas defense overall, but a lot, but specifically with the rush defense, they've averaged about 120 yards per game this season allowed, which is, it's not too terrible. I think the presence of uh, Keandre Coburn um, sweat and the other ones, like uh, people who have been there a couple years are kind of helping, especially you have the transfer of uh, I forget his first name, Sorrell 88, who's, He's been really good on the outside, and I think I think they've really clamped down on that, at least the rush defense side of things as well. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, who would you would you say that they're probably the uh, the the star of the unit, or who are you looking at as like this is Texas's bread and butter right now? Um, I would say specifically the interior lineman. I think I think Jamarvian Overshawn is definitely someone you can't overlook. Number zero on defense, and you definitely can't miss him with all the Nike bands all over his arms, but <laughs> he's someone from the linebacker position. I think they really missed after the the strange targeting call in the Alabama game. They, uh, they definitely missed him for the first half of what was it? Texas tech when they did not have him. So I think the D line, I think DeMarvin Overshawn kind of being that linebacker presence on defense, he's definitely someone not as much in coverage, but he kind of shores up that run defense as well. Yeah. No, I, I mean, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, like you said, overshone, you know, hard to miss with the with all of the uh, little Nike bands, but just an absolute, absolute beast. And, you and know, I'm trying to remember his first name as well. Um, I think it's Jalen Watts, I think is who I'm thinking of. 
Uh, number six on Texas, one of their corners. He's also, I think he's a transfer from Ohio State as well. He's the one that missed the the wide open sack on Bryce Young, unfortunately. But he's someone who has also helped out a little bit on the pass coverage side as well. So I'd I'd keep an eye on number six, number zero, and then a couple of the interior linemen. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Now, in terms of weaknesses, what do you think Oklahoma can really exploit in ways that you know, I, I don't wouldn't say Alabama really did at all. Um, obviously, I think Bryce Young just kind of had a Heisman moment and overpowered uh, over, overpowered him there. But uh, in ways that, let's say, like Texas Tech really kind of ran uh, ran a little bit wild on him. Um, I don't know. What what do you think the weaknesses of the Texas defense where Oklahoma specifically really can you know capitalize and make this a a, a pretty good game? Yeah, I think if OU can sort of scheme up I I don't know if it's going to be on the rushing side but if they can scheme up whoever's starting at quarterback some sort of passes that at least get a little bit of a rhythm some sort of screens or short quick throws that at least um have the chance of maybe some yards after the catch or can at least start to get in space I think that will be sort of a big thing where they can keep the I guess keep the tempo of the offense going and run a lot of plays as we saw um, OU has been sort of inclined to run pretty quick offense, but especially kind of mimicking that Texas Tech game. Um, I don't know if they're going to burn Texas deep. And again, like I said, I don't know if they're going to necessarily get them on the rush end, but if they can sort of keep things progressing, because you remember Alabama doesn't have a lot of talent from the wide receiver position. That's not the case with OU. So if they can sort of short intermediate passes that get into a rhythm and basically kind of, I guess you could say, catch Texas sleeping a little bit. Yeah, and that's that's been one of the things that's been interesting about this OU team is, you know, they haven't – I feel like they haven't had a lot of success at making long drives. I feel like if you look at, you know, most of these – most of their performances, they're deep ball to Mims, deep ball to, uh, you know, really whoever. And, you know, they burn you through those type of big plays. So, you know, I, I think a slower, more methodical offensive approach could be very helpful. Uh, the run game has been very strong for Oklahoma. I believe they're something like 14th in the country in FBS, um, you know, with, with, you know, a couple of great backs and Eric Gray, Marcus majors currently injured, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, you know, slowing the game down a little bit, slowing that tempo down is huge. And then, you know, hoping to get a big shot with Marvin Mims, who, uh, obviously had a great game last season. Uh, I think um, that, the- yeah, I think, yeah. but I think the concern, as you mentioned, like we haven't seen a lot of like methodical drives from OU. And I think part of that, I was one of the people that was saying, like, we were a little too quick to anoint them, even when Dan- Dylan Gabriel was healthy, is like, this is a college football playoff team. Like, they look amazing. And I, I was like, not to discount what they had done, but you had to look at the schedule, like UTEP, Kent State, Nebraska. Like, those are not good teams. So, as soon as they played their Grim Reaper, Kansas State, and then kind of a, a surprising TCU team, like they've gone over two with those teams. So um, I think it's something where I guess you, like you said, you'll have to see sustained drives out of them. Something hopefully with a little more of a, you know, a little more of a challenging team, a little more challenging defense than they've seen. And if they can still succeed, then maybe we'll see some signs of life from them. So yeah, it's quite possibly the worst time to have OU Texas with uh, the slide going on the injuries um, because I agree. I think this is the best defense they're going to run up against. And 
you know, the biggest thing to me is I feel like OU has been outsized out, like just out athleted, which is weird against, you know, TCU who I, I really don't, I don't feel like they typically get, you know, big dudes. Uh, right. K state. I feel like their offensive line absolutely handled our <laughs> D line. Um, and, you know, you know, frankly, I think that's going to be a, a big point of contention is, you know, are they going to get our, how are they going? How are they going to overcome that size di- size difference? Because Texas, you know, just look at the recruiting. They always get dudes. Their problem is never talent. So they're a talented team. They always show up in these type of games. I feel like um, overcoming that is going to be just massive for you. And I I don't know if they can do it. Frankly, I think. I mean, I think really the biggest thing that OU may have on their side, like I think the mentality has changed a little bit. But for Texas, it's going to have to be like a war of attrition. So it's going to – I think it's kind of a point in time in this season where you can – there's kind of a split in the road where, hey, maybe if they win out, like obviously they're not a playoff team, but they could have a Big 12 championship right now. They're the leading percentage of all the Big 12 teams to at least make the championship. So they can pivot that way or if we can see like in the past couple years where they have kind of a breakdown in mentality and they don't prepare the way they should for this game, if they lose Red River, then we start to see kind of a slippery slope down the other direction. So I think it's really um, one thing I did like that Sark did say in the press conference. Somebody asked him, as the reporters always usually ask horrible questions, but they were like, you know, how does how do we get the team prepared for this game? Like, how do we? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, it's Red River. Last time I walked in the facility for work this morning, I didn't see the golden hat in there, and that's that's all you should. That's 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 it. And so I think that's a good mentality to have. That hey, just because OU showed some poor performances this couple of weeks, like it's still Oklahoma, like it's still Red River. There's no reason we shouldn't play this team like we played Alabama or some other teams. So I think it's a war of attrition. And if Texas shows like the full effort, then I think OU should be afraid of what they're going to see. Yeah, no. And it to me, it really feels like 2005, which was a year where, you know, I, I think OU had won some like five straight, uh, games against Texas, really good Texas teams, Vin- Vince Young level Texas teams, and they had a down year and just walked into a buzzsaw with that uh, Vince Young, you know, Texas Longhorn team. And you know, frankly, this this is this Texas team isn't that, uh, right. but it was a team that took out just years of frustration on OU. <laughs> and I just feel like that. I feel like I feel the exact same way coming into this one. Um, just like OU is perfectly just right there to just go in and just get smoked. Um, and, you know, as if there was ever the time to do it, it would be now like them winning three in a row and sort of pent front pent up frustrations. This would be the time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if Dylan Gabriel was healthy, it'd be one thing, but uh, I, I'm really concerned he won't be. And I don't know. I, I just feel like this is an Oklahoma team that still just doesn't know what it's doing. Still trying to find an identity, still trying to find, you know, find out who the hell they are. And um, I don't know. I, I think, I think, uh, I think, I think Texas is uh, going to gonna come out firing for sure. So what what's your, let's, let's just give you your last word on this one in terms of, uh, you know, the game and everything. What do you think is going to happen? What's your official prediction for the game? All right. So first, I think Quinn Ewers is going to start. I don't see any way. Like he he was throwing in warmups and literally in his pads the week after he had his injury. So I don't see any way. They said quarterback room is the healthiest it's been. So if he's healthy, he's 100% starting. So I think he's going to start. 
I think it's going to be closer than you think. I know you're, you're a little bit down after these couple of weeks, but I never want to discount like an Oklahoma team until the clock says zero. So um, I'm thinking somewhere maybe like 34, 21, 34, 24. Like, I think it's going to be closer than you think, but I think it's going to be one of those games. Maybe you get a little bit of garbage time. Like it's the score may reflect one thing, but maybe the game itself, like, when we come come around full circle after, you're going to say, well, OU was never really in this game. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. That's fair. I think that's fair. And, you know, I feel like everything I, I have in terms of optimism towards OU is all just intangible, like, oh, throw out the records, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, what I'm thinking with my with my head, you know, with you know, with my brain, with my eyes, what I've seen, I, I'm, I'm not optimistic. Um, but, you know, I think it'll be a battle. I think both sides will come out firing and we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'll, uh, I'll give my, my prediction on the weekend spread here in a little bit. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, Chris, anything you want to say before you go? Um, and, uh, after that, I'll, uh, let you, you know, drop a little plug. want to hear what, what you got going on after that. But, um, any final thoughts on OU Texas? I just like you said, it's going to be a battle. I think hopefully it's one where Texas can give out a little bit of the frustrations they've had since fall 2018. And I mean, I think it's going to be a good game as long as Texas has their head right. I think it's going to be a really good one. Awesome. Awesome. For sure. Chris, I know you have uh, some work going around. Where can the good people find what you've got going on? Well, I'm currently one, I'm writing articles on hawkshuddle.com. As you'll see, I'll be tweeting that out. And also a little bit in the works, got steinsports.com in the works. The website is still very rudimentary, but uh, you can find me a couple different ways there, or as always, me battling with you on Twitter or Instagram, <laughs> likely. So, Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, good old steinsports.com. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite things when we did uh, you know, Rival Talk back in the day was talking you know, sports business and all that. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure you'll, you'll have some good takes on that, for sure. Cool. Well, all right. I think that's all we have for this little mini, little special episode of uh, of the Schooner Pod. Great look at OU Texas. Great look at uh, you know the Texas side of side of things. Really appreciate your insight, uh, Chris, and um, hope to have you on soon. So, uh, awesome. yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I love talking some Texas OU. Absolutely. Hey, well, it's OU Texas, but you know, uh, <laughs> let's get that straight. All right. For me and Chris, this has been the Schooner Pod. We will see y'all, uh, yeah, I guess, coming up soon to uh, talk about, you know, the whole slate of uh, college football games in the weekend spread. But until then, have a good one. Boomer sooner. And um, I guess if you're a Texas fan, hook them. So. <laughs>